three, two, one. That's right. You're listening to the It's My Time podcast, a recording of the experiences, past and present of everyday people. Yes, indeed. And now, here's your host, the one, the only, Asher Chua. Hey, welcome to the podcast, Genesis. Thank you so much for having me, Asher. It is an honor to be on the other side of the table this go around. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting when, when you're on the other side. But just to introduce you to the audience, I always like to ask, who do you say you are? So I am a visionary life coach, motivational speaker, and also the podcast founder and host of my own show, which is GEMS with Genesis Amaris Camp, where I am on a mission and movement to bring content that's educational, inspirational, and motivational. But last but not least, definitely a firecracker, not born in a box. So don't place me in a box because I will be in a box whenever the good man above calls me home. But until then, I'm that multifaceted, multidimensional chick with lots of swag and bubbly energy. Man, I love that. Great intro. How'd you get into life coaching? So I actually fell into it um, by accident. So after I was laid off from my corporate job in the middle of the pandemic, people were reaching out to me because I was already doing a lot of work in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space. And someone was in higher ed and she really just wanted to level up in her career. And she saw the things that I was doing and the momentum that I was getting. And she's like, Hey, do you coach? And I was like, no, but I can. (laughs) So, um, that's how I got my first client and everything kind of just took off from there. And I really believe that with my 15 years of experience in corporate America, 12 being in oil and gas and energy, and then having to go through being a patient advocate and a caregiver for my dad up until he passed from medical negligence gave me a lot of bandwidth because no matter no matter if you're talking to someone in a professional setting or an entrepreneur setting, everyone is dealing with some form of mindset issues that they're trying to overcome in order to transfer to transition in order for the transformation to take place. Gotcha. I guess, like you said, you kind of fell into becoming a, a life coach. Like, how did you go about like acquiring the skills? Did you just lean on your past experience with your dad and or did you also go like the training route and getting like formal training and that that type of thing no definitely leaned on my past experience because it's been a journey Mm. um in life and a lot of people see me they're like oh you're so young and you've made it all the way up in this corporate space and now you're doing this and you've been in magazines and different stuff tell us how you did it and i and i feel like sometimes you could have all the formal training from school like like for example i'll say my degree i have a degree in supply chain and logistics and tech and two two um, minors one in purchasing and one in organizational leadership and supervision but that doesn't mean that that degree is just that i did a lot of on the job training a lot of you know different programs to help me you know stay versatile and knowledgeable in my area so i tell people even though i don't necessarily have the formal life life coach certificate certification going through life in general will give you what you need in order to help other people because people want to know that you've experienced something similar to what they're going through 
and your experiences validate that you've made it through on the other side and you could actually talk about it and know what the hell you're talking about. Because I wouldn't want to pay a coach that has never gone through something such as, you know, depression or, you know, they've never went through a layoff or a furlough or something like that, because how can you relate to where I am? Right, right. And that, that makes a lot of sense. And I guess to to that point, like what, what was your experience through the pandemic, like doing coaching and then also away from work? So um, away from work, it was bittersweet because, you know, when you're in oil and gas, you get paid extremely well and you get a lot of perks. And just to go from dual incomes to just one and just relying solely on my husband, that was like a bit like, hmm, interesting, because there's a lot of things that I like to do that my husband would consider my wants versus my needs. And I was like, (laughs) like my nails or my hair or just massages or just something like that. And I was like, it's part of the self-care bucket of money. And whenever you begin to like scale things back and put it in perspective, you're like, oh yeah, when you see it from your partner's perspective, whenever things get tight in a sense, you're like, oh yeah, that is definitely not a need. That's more like a want and a luxury to have that. (laughs) Yeah. Luxury Um, isn't bad. Yeah. So that um, was definitely eye opening. And then just having to like start coaching, it's like you're rebalancing because it's not like someone else's time. You're setting your own time and, you know, what you put in is what you're going to get out. So you definitely need to know how to balance between, you know, what you have going on. Kind of like when you balance at work, you have deliverables. So I think even whenever you transition from being an employee to being like a business owner and mm-hmm. doing something on your on your own, you definitely need to have that accountability. You need to set up boundaries and you also need to set yourself goals and metrics for you to attain and follow so you can meet those deliverables. Because if you're not running your business that's tied to your core values or your mission statement, Mm -hmm. then what what is that saying about your business or about you as an individual? So does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. And I I guess, so I guess it wasn't, would you say it was a, a hard transition? Because you said like, definitely financially, it was like, oh, this, this is a, a lot of the luxury um, stuff has got to go away, but then now it's like you made the adjustment to say, okay, I need to do something else to kind of enjoy some of the things I enjoyed before, or just be able to have the things that we have in the home. I would say it was a partially hard transition because, you know, my husband and I were big on communicating with one another. So definitely the communication aspect helped and just being able to see it from um, your spouse's point of view and et cetera, definitely help. But if we didn't have the communication there mm-hmm. and just the clear lines, then it would definitely be hard. And just right. knowing like with traveling, cause like when, when you travel on a company's dime, you get perks that you could use in your own thing. Mm-hmm. So just knowing that, Oh man, you may not be able to stay at that nice hotel. It may not be five star, but you could do maybe a three and a four star. You don't need to be that snappy right, or right. whatnot or <laughs> Or, hey, you may not be able to walk down Emerald Isle when you get off the airport and pick that luxury car that you want to drive. You may just have to, you know, pick that moderate car. And it's okay. It has four wheels. It's going to get you from point A to point B. Yeah. (laughs) It brings things in different perspective. 
Yeah. And just not having a corporate um, Amex card anymore. Like where you just, Ooh, ooh that American <laughs> express where, where you get to take yourself to lunch, but then you're also taking your clients to lunch. And you're like, Oh, it's different. But then now when you go to that same restaurant and you're paying, you're like, dang, it costs that much. <laughs> <laughs> It's like the shoes on the other foot. It's like, what's going on here? Yeah, just little things. And I say it in a funny way to joke, but it's really practical because whenever you begin to like switch, then you have to think about how you're doing things differently. And it's not always going to be like that. It's going to be temporary until you get in the groove of things where things are where you're going from surviving to thriving and you're flourishing. So it's just, you know, minor tweaks here and there. And it's okay. That makes sense. I guess other than than like the perks of working in oil and gas, like, did you enjoy it getting in initially? And maybe what's one thing or what are a few other things that you maybe missed from it or that you like, what, what was it like starting out in oil and gas? So starting out, I started at the bottom twice in my career. The first time was me being an imaging clerk. That was such a BS job. Like all I would do was scan papers. And y'all, I literally fell asleep one day at work. Like the paper during the machine was like, and I was like, sleep, y'all. I was knocked out. (laughs) Um, But my boss had grace. And then I quickly knew that, okay, this wasn't for me. So then that's when I went into project management and then I became an HSC manager. So health, safety and environmental. And then so just really having the due diligence, but taking ownership of my own career and not necessarily what the corporation was looking out for me made me stand stand apart, especially being a melanated chocolate drop woman in a white man's world, such as oil and gas. And that gave me the ability to really know about the competitors out there whenever I decided that I wanted to work for a bigger company, such as a Fortune 5, because I wanted the luxury to travel. I wanted to be somewhere with international ties and et cetera, because I didn't want to just see myself at a smaller company that was just mom and pop. But then it also taught me to humble myself because when I went to play big with the big boys, it's like they didn't know who I was. They didn't outside of my resume. So I had to start all the way over as an admin. So it was like a, like going from a manager to an admin. I was like, hold up school time out. You talking about me, but I had to like literally make, make it like make sense to me. Like you've heard the saying, make it make sense. And I was like, okay, sometimes you have to go low in order to go high. And this is just an entry into getting into this organization because not everyone is afforded to work at ExxonMobil, Shell, BP, and some of those big companies because they may not necessarily have the knowledge. So I did that for four and a half years as, a, as an admin, which definitely helped me in what I'm doing now because I'm very structured. As you can see when you came on my show, I'm like, no, you need to have the podcast form. You need to fill it out in its entirety. You book this on my calendar. I have a no block zone. And then I follow up and I'm just very structured in that. So if I would have never been an admin assistant where I'm managing multiple calendars and having people talk to me a certain way, I wouldn't have the structure that I need to run my own personal business and no different productivity tools that I could use to make it easier for myself. Then from there, um, I changed my entire degree from a psychology major to supply chain, which I alluded to early on, where I have that 
degree. And then from there, I went into being a raw material coordinator, Asher. So I managed all the raw materials that went into making PP. For those of you listening, PP is polypropylene, which is a form of plastics, which I worked in the chemical plant. So a lot of not glamorous things, FRC, so flame retardant clothing, you know, you're getting down, you're getting down in the trenches. But I had an office, I had an office and I had a door that I could shut. So I was like, Holla. <laughs> that, was, that was nice, but I hated wearing FRCs and I refused to buy any. And I did it because I was like, I don't work in the unit and I'm not going to spend money buying FRCs. If the company's going to pay for it, then I'll wear it. But I'm not going to spend money to buy that. Like, I don't want to wear that. Yeah. Um, then from there, I quickly learned that just working in the chemical plant was just not for me. I needed to be like in a corporate setting. So I I went back to headquarters and it was around the time that my now husband had proposed to me and I couldn't make it to any of the wedding meetings because I was commuting like four hours a day. So my last role before I got laid off was in trade regulations and compliance for another commodity, which was polyethylene, which is another form of plastics. And I managed three global distributors and one freight forwarder. And I didn't know anything about trade regulations or compliance. So I stretched myself to you know, learn more. And I say all this to say is, all of the things that I did in the corporate setting has now came around 360 because when you're in business for yourself, there's a period where you work in your business to transferring to working on your business where you begin to automate and delegate and make it make sense so you could focus on your personal zone of genius to level up in all areas. So whatever you're not an expert at, why not outsource it if you can? or collaborate with someone else that does have that area as their zone of genius. I love that. Did I answer your question? You did. And it, it's like, you, you kind of took me through that process of like what you, what you picked up along the way. And I was curious, like, did you intern while you were in college and then go into the field <laughs> or did you just jump right in? And then like, because you mentioned like the switch of the psychology major. So I was like, oh, maybe like you started out working, did an internship. You're like, okay, hey, I got some experience. This didn't work out. Let me go back to this and then like just work with whatever works. That's hilarious that you asked because I've never done an internship. I did a co-op in high mm -hmm. school and that's how I got my first job. So I didn't want to be like a typical like teenager because I wanted some real money because my let me be honest, y'all. My my mom is West Indian, so she's Caribbean. So She's like, you think money grow on trees? And my dad was um, from Curaçao, so it's right off the tip of Venezuela. Some people say that it's the Caribbean. Some people say it's South America. So however you want to see it, geographic, I'm not going to argue with you. Um, and so whenever I wanted money for certain things, if it was not like a need to my parents, you weren't getting that. So I was like, oh, no, I'm going to do this co-op program. And that's when I landed my first job in real estate and hindsight Hindsight 2020, y'all, is a biggie because had I known what I know now, I would have let them pay for a real estate degree because I will be cashing out, y'all. Um, and then my second job was working at the cancer center because I really wanted to be a pediatrician when I grew up. So I got the cancer center job because I was volunteering at the cancer center because it was my way to give back because my mom's sister, so my aunt had passed away from leukemia. And ever since that, I always wanted to help people who were diagnosed with cancer because it was my way to say, okay, this is how I could help somebody else going through, you know, their hardship, especially if they don't have, you know, a strong 
um, community of supporters, whether it's family or friends, to help them go through something such as that um, gruesome illness. And then after that, I landed in oil and gas. So no, definitely a non-traditional path and a little bit of everything. <laughs> I like that the um, the immigrant background from being of parents from two different countries coming together and just being that, um, what do you say, motivated with education where you're like early on high school, I need, I need to get that money because they're not going to pay for what the things that I want. Yeah, because you like my parents were very, very like into education and into like mindful spending. So mm-hmm. if it was not mindful to them, they're not spending it. And I was like, it's mindful to me. But then <laughs> at the time, it's like when you make your own money, then you can tell us what's mindful. <laughs> right. That's awesome. We'll put a pin in it there and then we'll stitch it together with a, a later time. That way I won't keep you too long. OK, awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Asher. It's always a pleasure chatting with you. Likewise.